You are listening to Damascus Crossroads. From Central Kentucky, welcome to Damascus Crossroads, a podcast for those who are seeking healing from addiction. Your host, Tim Altman, will be having real conversations about how the power of Jesus Christ can break the chains of addiction and deliver anyone from this bondage. If you are at the crossroads of your life between continuing a life of affliction from addiction or living a life of freedom, you've come to the right place. May today's message be your Damascus moment and open your eyes to renewal. Hey, everybody, this is the uh, Damascus Crossroads podcast with your host, Tim Altman. Um, this one take today, and I uh, guess we're celebrating, um, we're taking this day to, to honor Martin Luther King. Um, you know, he fought for our, um, against discrimination, um, against hatred. Um, so, you know, take day, just honor him. You know, he lost his life doing it, and he was assassinated, um, you know, so... Um, you know, he took a stand. Hats off to him. But um, I can tell you two people out there that don't discriminate. One person is Jesus Christ. He he loves you no matter what color you are. It doesn't it doesn't matter at all, you know. And then a lot of people they'll say, Well, he came to the to the house of Israel. Um, yeah, he did, and he did come to the house of Israel first. Um his plan was always to, to 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 spread the gospel to the world, but his first plan was to 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 use the house of Israel to help him spread the word and and start his church, which he did um, with with the twelve disciples. Um, but yes, he did come to the the Jewish twelve disciples first, and and then they Paul and Peter uh, they spread the gospel to all of us. So you know, anybody says you know there's any discrimination there uh, doesn't know their Bible. Um, he loves us all equally and very much. Um, another, um, if you want to call him a person or a scoundrel or a, out there that doesn't discriminate is the devil. He hates us all equally. He doesn't see skin color. Um, he's probably one of the least racist, discriminatory person out there. It pleases him to no end to see uh, any color race go to hell. Uh, the more the merrier is his opinion. Um you know, he, so, you know, that's two people out, two, two people out there that don't discriminate. Um, um, we should never discriminate. We're, once we are born again, I've only, I only know two kinds of people. I know people that are born again through Jesus Christ. Um, they're my Christians, brothers and sisters, and there's people out there lost. Um, um, they're, they're my brothers and sisters and not brothers and sisters in Christ yet. I pray that they are. And, um, I, I try to witness to them and, and try to do that. And then there's a few wolves out there um, that go around and devour the sheep, you know, people that when they hear the message of God, they, you know, of Jesus, they laugh at it and, and call it weak and 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 uh, call it the Zionist um, Jewish filth and rabble, and they, they don't understand the gospel of Jesus. Um, they're wolves. Mm-hmm. 
plain and simple. So sometimes you run across them and it says in the Bible not to cast your pearls before swine or dogs, lest they render you. That means attack you and trample them under your feet. You know, sometimes you, you do nice things for people over and over again. Um, and they'll trample them under their feet. And, you know, you got to move on from that. You got to, you got to help them again. Jesus said, if they, you know, if somebody, you know, could ask for your coat, give them your, 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 your jacket, if they are your shirt. He says, um, how many times Peter asked Jesus, how many times should we forgive someone? Seven times. And Jesus said seven times, 70 times. Um, so, you know, but when he gets to the point where you're doing good deeds for somebody, um, and they're attacking you, um, you know, and destroying you, you got to get away from there. You know, you got to, it's like I told my mom the other day, you know, the first person I want to see get to heaven is myself. And then I don't want to be greedy, you know, but I gotta, I gotta, I gotta worry about myself first. And Jesus even says that, pulled the bean about of your own eye before you pulled the splinter out of your neighbor's. Um, and like I told my mom, I don't want to be greedy, but that's the first person I need to worry about. And I need to make sure I, on Judgment Day, I'm going to have to answer for myself, period. I'm not going to answer for my son or my wife or, 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 or brother flip-flop down the road or Billy Bob or Sister Leahy. i got to answer for Tim Altman on Judgment Day. Um, so yeah, that's the first first person i got to worry about. Um, but as I was saying, um, the devil doesn't discriminate. He he hates the human race. Uh, he wants to destroy it. I believe, you know, the things he does, the, um, the issues, you know, abortion, he loves it. He, uh, you know, he loves killing babies. He loves war. He loves destruction. Adolf Hitler, Joseph Stalin, Genghis Khan, uh, the little guy over in Cambodia that slaughtered like half his country and, and murdered them just because they, just for, because they wore glasses, some of them, um, you know, Mao Zedong, um, the, the devil loves destruction and, and um the Bible t- you know that's the one thing I don't understand is how we get beat by the devil so much as a human race um God made a book that he explains the enemy um and, and tells us what the devil's game plan is he tells us his exact moves he describes the devil the father of lies the uh, great deceiver the um when his lips move he's lying um the bringer of destruction he calls him the the prince of darkness the um the deceiver the liar the great liar um you know how do we how do we get out of drug rehab and get and, and when we got a bible you know and we got access to the bible and we can read the devil's playbook on us how do we get back on drugs you know that's what i wonder how and he uses the same playbook with us um you know just do one um, you can control it. Lies, lies, lies. He used deception. You know, this is it's a deception. You know, drink a beer. It's all right. Um, everybody's doing it just one time. Um, you know, deception, lies, manipulation. He manipulates us. You know, you might get out of rehab and find this really this girl you think is love of your life, and she's smoking a joint or something. And you know, oh man, I'll just you know you know I'm just gonna smoke a joint then. And you do that with her. And next thing you know. You're going down that track. And I'm going to go back since, um, I'm going to go back to the Civil War. Um, Civil War is an interesting time in our history. Um, and this kind of ties in with Martin Luther King Day and everything because, um, you know, Civil War, people say, was about slavery. And then you'll talk to other people that said it had nothing to do with slavery. And both of them are right. 
Um, it had everything to do with slavery. It was really the reason. But in the end, it was state, states' rights that most people claim, but was was the real issue for for the um, for the Civil War. Um, the big plantation owners in the South couldn't do without slavery, and then they seen as they we expanded across the United States and made states that if uh, they lost control of the Senate, that they would eventually slavery would be outlawed like it should be, and uh, they were worried. Now the other ninety five percent of the people, poor people in the South that didn't have slaves, they had to convince them of a reason to fight. See again, manipulation. That's what the devil does. And they manipulated the other ninety five percent of people in the white uh, whites in the South to believe that. The North, you know, was trying to take away states' rights. And really the only right that really the South wanted was um, the right to own slaves. They, they had to have them for the big, the 3% three, of the population that had slaves had to have them um, in order for their industry to, to grow. The other 97% of the people, poor white people in the South, didn't need it. Uh, they were manipulated, again, lied to, um, and led to war and slaughter. Um, another tactic of the devil. So anyways, during the Civil War, uh, we talked about Grant and Lee. Uh, we talked about how how Grant uh, was a bulldog. Just, just he could he could he could size up the situation uh, and just see what it was for. Like he he could see he outnumbered the South two to one. They were out producing them, and well, he just crushed Lee. He just kept coming after him. But go back in time two or three years to General McLean. He was called the Little Napoleon, and um. He wasn't a bad general. He was just overcautious. Um, you know, he, he always claimed he outnumbered Lee two to three, sometimes up to three to one, and he would claim Lee outnumbered him two to one. And what his tactic was was to move, maneuver in position and force the Confederates to attack and then defend. And, you know, really he never lost a battle or was run off a battlefield. Like Lee run a lot of generals off the battlefield in, in chaos. But um, And Lee, believe it or not, even said McLean, and this gets a lot of history, Civil War buffs laughing their pants off, uh, that Lee said McLean was actually the the best general he faced. Uh, the, you know, he didn't even say Grant, which one finally defeated him, but he said McLean was the the greatest or the most skilled general he, he faced. And, you know, looking back at it, he may have been. One funny story is um uh, the second battle of Bull Run, uh, Lee smashed um, Hooker's army. I think it was, and they run him off the battlefield. And the Army of the Potomac was in retreat, and um, of course Lincoln had to go back to McLean. He was a he was a troops favorite. They called him a Little Napoleon. He he was great at organizing an army. So, anyways, <clears throat> I don't think God, you know, they asked Abraham Lincoln. They said, "Is God on your side or the South?" And um, he said, "I don't know whose side God's on, but I need Kentucky on my side," which I thought that was kind of funny. Um, Lincoln made a comment such as, you know, everybody thinks God's on their side, you know, uh, whenever they fight a battle, you know, but, you know, I, God doesn't like slavery. And he did things. I think God did things during the Civil War. And he always he always uses people and um, the Holy Spirit leads people like McLean. Actually, Confederate Calvary actually stopped at a place, camped out that night. And they had an order from General Lee to H.P. Uh, Hill and Stonewall Jackson with the whole Maryland campaign. It was the campaign Lee was going to do to to go into the North and finally defeat the South North once and for all, and take Washington and, and make them sue for peace and bring British in the side of the Confederates. Um, Lee knew that you know even at this time, 
um, that he, he the, the South just couldn't keep going on. They didn't have the manpower. They didn't they didn't have the industrial base. The the the, the they were blockaded by the North um, from any kind of good. So for some reason these <laughs> these cavalry guys they I don't know if they were drinking that night at the camp or what, but they they left the orders Lee had written to Jackson in a rolled up. Now these are the complete plans of the Confederate armies. Lee had his had his army split up into several 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 units. Um, two major units. This army was split in two by hundred by fifty to hundred miles, and um, you know, and he's and he's trying to coordinate all this by cavalry uh, sending orders. You know, and these orders were wrapped in two cigars. Well, anyways, the the Union's telling the Confederate army and the Union cavalry come across this campsite, and well, they're digging around, and one of the old boys found the cigars, and he, um, you know, it's like the Lord just lays. Anyways, he, he found the cigars, and there it is, man. It's like the orders for the whole confederate army how they're laid out okay now one thing mclean's got his army all in a bunch uh and they're and they could and and mclean's seen this and he he's seen where if he you know he brought back mclean you know first and went up the you know the sergeant brought it back to the captain captain brought it to the colonel colonel brought it to the general general brought it to the three-star general mclean mclean's like He's seen it. He's seen Lee's army was separated by hundreds of miles, and he could, and we're talking, he had 120,000 troops. They could jump on each part of Lee's army, which was like 25,000, just smash them and annihilate them before the other part of the army could ever reach them. Um, McLean was opposite of Grant. Like I said, he he always overestimated the enemy, um, kind of like us in our addiction, and, and we always overestimate the devil. You know, we're always telling all our friends and, and everybody in rehab, how the devil was big and bad, and he beat up us on us. And he, you know, a lot of these, you know, a lot of us, he took all of us to the point of death and took some of us to death. I, I heard stories where some guys had been dead seven times and brought back to life. You know, one guy I know was dead for like three hours. They come back like, you know, from, from death. Um, you know, and this is what McLean was it. He always overestimated the devil, uh, Bobby E. Lee. So he gets this gift from God. I'm just going to call it that. God was probably, you know, up there and like, look, enough of this, you know, slavery isn't no good. You guys slaughtering each other ain't no good. Here, McLean, here's the, here's the layout of the Confederate army. They're split in two. All you got to do is act on it. So McLean, he gets his gift from God. I'm just going to call it, you know, a divine intervention in the civil war. And, and here it is. And um, McLean gets it. And he said, he points it, he lifts it up after he reads it, and he points it at the generals. He rolls it back up, and he says, if I can't beat Bobby E. Lee with these here orders, I'll go home. Now, <laughs> that's what we say coming out of, that's what we should be saying coming out of rehab with the Bible in our hand. If I can't beat the devil, and if I can't stay straight with these words in this book, then I need to go home, okay? Um, that's, that's our attitude. Okay, and that is a lot of our attitudes when we come out of uh, rehab. And that's my attitude. If I can't beat the devil now with what I know, uh, what what I've read, Jesus taught me, you know, through the Bible, through the New Testament, uh, with the Old Testament readings about the devil and how tricky he is. You know, I read about um, oh, um, Job in the Bible where he's just plagued and hit and beat down by the devil. Um, you know, and Job is beat down like some of these like us in rehab, but Job didn't deserve it. Now the <laughs> We had it coming, you know, again. But, you know, Job got through it. We can get through it. You know, if I can't beat the devil with what this Bible right here, this is the devil's, it tells you the devil's playbook. You know every move. And not only do you know every move, you got more information in that Bible than McLean had in his hands. You got the, you got the Omega and the, the, the end in the beginning 
you know when it began and when it ended. Before I go too far, I want to skip off on that subject, beginning and end. That's something our mind can't grasp. There's always has to be a beginning point in human knowledge. Um, it doesn't make sense to say there's never a beginning or never an end. But see, our minds can't grasp that, y'all. We can't. So that's why it says in the Bible, I'm the beginning and I'm the end. Don't worry about it. There's things that we're not going to understand in this world. Um, it's like Nicodemus told, you know, Nicodemus was trying to ask Jesus when they, Nicodemus, one of the scribes, was, which he was a nice guy and he was actually one of the good scribes. Um, he actually asked Jesus, he said, um, Jesus told him, he said, if I can't tell you about earthly things, you won't understand like being born again, something simple like that, changing your ways, you know, uh, repenting of your sins. How are you going to understand um, heavenly things? You know, Jesus didn't even bother even trying to explain them to us because we, we, can't, we can't even grasp the basic, simple laws of nature like love one another and be good to one another, you know, um, to care for your parents, to be good to your children, um, to love your neighbor. You know, we, we can't even grasp simple things like that. And like Jesus is going to try to explain the heavens, but, you know, try to try to explain to us where heaven, you know, I know Einstein tried to explain it. He's supposed to be wise. He said time and time and space is like a circle that goes around in a circle. Well, that's really good, Einstein. What's on the outside of the circle? When did this circle begin? You know, man's foolishness or man's wisdom is foolishness in the eyes of God. Um, there ain't no doubt about that. It, you know, my, my, my dog, you know, he likes to chase motorcycles and bite at the motors and your feet. And, and when I crank that motorcycle up, he, he probably thinks there's a, a Tasmanian devil living. If you ask him if he could talk to you, he explain to you there's a Tasmanian devil in there that, um, some kind of monster in there that runs that machine. You know, it, to him, it's, he wouldn't understand a piston, valves, gasoline, motor oil, all that, you know, and having that dog, if he could talk, explain that combustible motor to you and how it runs what it needs to operate how it has a carburetor muffler and explaining it all to you is about the foolishness about the stupidness of us trying to explain the universe you know uh to god we have not a clue and i was watching them um, which i really shouldn't have watched it i watched the terminator movie and uh, you know ai you know and that's to scare us and how AI is getting so much smarter than us and all this. But you know what? They ain't nothing but piles of metal and junk is all it is. Jesus will eye it to nothing. You know, if when he wants to, when he comes back, if it's, you know, if AI it gives us a problem, that Jesus will destroy it. And, you know, it ain't nothing but junk. Um, and that's another thing. I, As a Christian, I watched a lot of, um, first time I was a Christian, I'll, you know, I kind of backslid and I got back into drinking and stuff. And I started watching a lot of conspiracy theory stuff. Alex Jones, uh, you know, Steve Quayle. I like Steve Quayle. He is a Christian. But that stuff can really drag you down. And it's not conspiracy theories. A lot of it's true. And the Bible tells us they're going to try to kill 90% of us, you know. Uh, so it's not conspiracy theory. It's true theories. Um you know, they, they're poisoning our food and water supply. You know, they, they spray the skies with with aluminum particles to, I think it's part of a space weapons program myself, so they can electrify the atmosphere if they if China tries to hit us with a surprise nuclear attack. It's part of Star Wars. But the after effect of it is it does change our climate and it does rain down on us and poison our, poison our grounds, you know. Um, but here's the thing. I got all wrapped up and then I got depressed and, and I wasn't doing nothing for God. I was going around telling people with the government, you know, what was going on. But at the same time, how was I helping everybody? You know, my mom's over there needing somebody to visit with her, talk the Bible with her, or or or, or she was needing her yard mowed or or some firewood or, or um, 
you know, there's somebody out there to witness to, you know, I should have been telling people about Jesus and, and getting their soul right and getting ready to go to heaven. You know, some of the people I talked to about conspiracy theories have done passed away. You know, one young man, he, uh, I used to tell him about conspiracy theories all the time. He was, you know, 18, 19 and, you know, when, and he passed away of a drug overdose. I could have been telling him about Jesus and, and getting him right, you know, um, but I wasted all my time with that. So I don't watch the world news anymore. Um, if I need to, I don't watch conspiracy theories anymore. And again, I don't like calling conspiracy theories because it's probably more accurate than Steve Quayle and my, uh, Alex Jones is probably more accurate than what you hear on the world news anymore. It's such a bunch of lies, but I don't watch any of it because I can read the book of revelations and I can tell you, um, what's, what's going to happen. Uh, the book of revelation lays it all out. You know, it tells us what's going to happen. Um, the main prepping I do now is is serving Jesus, um, doing his will, helping one another, making sure when that rapture comes out, I'm part of the bride of church. And, and these people are going, to, well, I'm not going to church because, you know, they're not perfect and, and they, they sin. Yeah, of course they sin. They're people. You know, you still got to go to church. That's why it says in the Bible, he comes to get the bride of the church. He's not taking the whole church out of there, okay, people? Church is going to, when after the rapture comes, church is going to go on just like new. There are going to be a few people missing. And he's going to come for the bride of the church from the Catholic church. There's going to be people come out of that, get raptured. There's going to be people come out of the Baptist, charismatic. Um, there's good people, sheeps um, of, of the Lord everywhere in every branch of religion. Um, there, there's And that's why, you know, Jesus said, I'm, I'm going to come back. You know, it said it's going to come back for the bride. Of the church, not for the whole church, but for the bride. And of course, there's sin in church. Uh, look at Paul; he wrote all them letters to Corinth and Philadelphia and all the other churches, and he spoke about. It. And there's there were sins back in them churches that made, woo. Uh, there was some bad sins back in that day, back in them churches. But that's what we are, you know. Um, and we gotta be like Paul. If there's sin in church, we gotta stand up against it. You know, at this, you know, at the same time, we we can't let it. You know, we gotta stand up against it, but. You know, at the same time, we do got to understand that we're all that the people are sinful. I'm sinful, and um, but we still got to we we do got to you know be with our other fellow Christians, and and um, it does help you, you know, um, you know, standing strong with other Christians. And then the main the main thing is out there, people, is that we um, we all believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross, um, that He rose again, that He loves us, and through repentance, through His grace, um, His grace is sufficient. Um, it can save us from from hell, uh, and that He is the in the Lord and Savior, and He is the way to heaven. And that's the only thing that that's the main, that's the points we don't compromise on. You know, whether the rapture comes before tribulations or afters, it's neither here nor there. You know, um, uh, you know, in doctrines like that, we 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 just gotta let them slide, man. If somebody disagrees, it doesn't make them a heretic, nothing like that. But um, you know, we just gotta believe God is, you know, Jesus is love. Jesus' teachings, we don't, you know, love one another, um, be good to one another, love your parents, the Ten Commandments. We, you just don't, on, on doctrine like that, you don't back down. That's something there that we don't compromise on. Um, so um, one person I want to talk about next week is, um, getting a little more information on him, is, is, is Tim Tebow. Man, this dude is just like, um, he just, his his childhood, basically his parents were, were um, missionaries, over in the Philippines, uh, you know, they spent all their life serving Jesus. 
Um, his mom got pregnant with TMs. I think she already had four other kids, and she had some kind of um, distant, some kind of uh, sickness come across her over there, and they said that it would be very dangerous, and they recommend she fly back to the States and get an abortion um, because it was too dangerous for her to give birth to Tim. Um, but she said, no, no abortions. I'll, you know, I put my life on my line for my son. And, you know, a lot of people said, you know, well, she had four other kids. What are they going to do if you lose her? And she said, I'm putting it in God's hands. So anyways, Tim was born, Tim Tebow. And um, he, he moved back to the United States when he was around 10. And a very competitive young man. Uh, and his his dad always made all the kids when they played sports always um, memorize verses about being humble and being a team player. You know, and you know, treating others nicely as you wish to be treated, stuff like that. He had to memorize up uh, so many Bible verses a week or a month or something in order to be able to play sports. Um, so, um, anyways, in high school, he's he finally gets a shot at quarterback and just it shatters some records with running. And he he goes to college, and um, Tim Tebow's just like shattering records at Florida, man, just bulldogging people. Uh, beat like Herschel Walker, man. He was like a, I mean, just a phenom. Uh, he, he had 50 touchdowns in his senior, his three years in college. And Tim Tebow had like 58 or 59, 60 touchdowns rushing and not even counting all the ones he passed for. Um, he shattered passing records, touchdown records, national, two national championships. Um, just a phenom of an athlete. Uh, and the whole time he's always, you know, he always had that John three sixteen on his, on his face. Always, always, always testifying for Jesus. Um, you know, when I was in my addiction and I was backslidden from God, he was the only Jesus I'd seen for years. You know, I'd see him in Florida State, uh, Florida Gators, watch him play, and he'd give his testimony. Uh, and it meant so much to me. Even though I was in addiction, man, I was like, I was, was a Tim Tebow fan, you know. And then one time he, he mocked the Oklahoma players. He did the Florida, like, chomp to him. And that was one time where I was like, and, you know, he was just a kid out there, you know, and just loving, loving life and, and getting involved in the game and, you know. I was like, you know, he calls himself a Christian. He did that. So, you know, I was a little disappointed in him, but, you know, I got, then I got to thinking, man, look at you. You're, you're supposed to be a Christian. You're doing meth and drinking and partying and living a sinful lifestyle. And all this kid does is kind of get into a game and kind of taunt another player, you know, really, you're going to judge him. So anyways, uh, Tim, he gets drafted into the NFL. Um, and he, um, He's playing for uh, Denver. He well, he gets a chance to start, and in the NFL, you know, Tim Tebow is really outspoken um, about his Christian about his Christian life and walk and how much he loved Jesus. Uh, that meant a lot to me because he was the only, in my addiction, he was the on, one of the only only times I heard about Jesus for years, and was was what Tim Tebow would say after a game, and how he he would bow down on the field and point up at heaven and give the Lord thanks for that touchdown or something. Anyways, he um he got a bad rap in the NFL. He just he was a winner. I mean he he the Denver started out one and four that year. He ended up going to the playoffs, um, beat Pittsburgh in overtime. They threw a touch eighty yard touchdown pass, uh, first first play of overtime to beat um Pittsburgh. Uh the bad luck for him that year is um he uh he um he uh, he run into New England Patriots and Tom Brady. They were on fire that year. I think they went on to win the Super Bowl. They ended up beating them really bad, and which was I think the championship game. So or might have just it was close to championship game. I mean they were like the fourth best team in the NFL. You know made it the fourth of all the NFL teams. They were like made it fourth highest. Um, so they basically be like fourth place, I guess. But anyways, um, you know I thought Denver treated them bad. They went out and got Peyton Manning, which you know I like Manning. I liked him since college. 
Um, uh, man, he's not a confessing Christian. Um, he's still a good guy. He, he's a worldly guy. He, football is his God, but, you know, I, I pray for him. Hopefully I find Jesus like, like all the other lost people out there. But anyways, you know, I think Elway, you know, the court, the, the, the owner of the, or whatever he is, GM of the Denver Biden gave, you know, Tebow should have been kept as a backup. You know, the, the team rallied around, uh, Tebow, you know, and he, his stats were terrible. I do have to admit him, but he won. That's what he did. When they needed a touchdown, Tim Tebow drove him down the field. He got that touchdown. But his statistics, if you looked at him, were very bad. Um, but still, he was a winner. You know, I think I think the Denver should have kept him as a backup quarterback to, to Manning and maybe let Manning groom, groom him a little bit. And, and But, you know, I think Elway was hard on him. Elway just run him out of town. Um, but Tebow never got mad. Um, man, and you know what? Um, I, I heard Tebow – Make a long story short, that he he's been doing like he played a little baseball and went to the Giant uh, Jets and the Belichick and uh, played for the Patriots for a little bit. Um, but man, he he, I heard him do an inspirational speak, and you know sometimes you just hear somebody speak, and he's you know he was talking about Jesus and how much Jesus loves us, um, how he died on the cross, and um, how, how he was there. He didn't come to save the the, the rich and the wealthy and the and the big famous people, he come to he come for the downtrodden and the and um the meek and the lowly. And sometimes you just hear somebody speak and you say, That person right there, he knows my best friend. You know, you ever been like that? You you know, you you're a sheep and you hear another sheep and it says in the Bible the sheep will be able to hear their master, the the shepherd. But I tell you what, a sheep can hear another sheep. And I'll tell you another thing, um, when I heard Tim Tebow speak, I, I heard a sheep speak. Man, he just, he was in tears just telling people, please accept Jesus Christ into your life. Um, man, and um, he's an inspirational speaker now, man. And, I mean, if you got a chance to go to him, go to him. He's got a book on uh, Amazon. Uh, just type in Tim Tebow to come up. We ordered one today just to kind of help him out. Um, man, God bless him. And, and another thing, as a sheep, if you hear a wolf speak, you will know it too. And if you're in a church and or if you're here listening to somebody and they're a wolf and and your Holy Spirit tells you that they're a wolf, get away from them. Um, you know what I'm saying? If they're if they're a preacher and they're not talking about Jesus and they're they're blabbering on about stuff they do and about uh, seeding money into something and and getting ten hundredfold back and all this garbage and and they're not talking about Jesus's love and, and compassion and, and, and the Ten Commandments, get out of that church and, and go somewhere else. Um, you know, I, I heard a guy, Ground Zero, the other other day I was there, and he, he just went off about Jesus and how great Jesus is, how much he loves him, how we need to be out there doing what Jesus did because he lived an example of what we we need to be. And I just looked at him. I said, man, you've been studying your scripture. I said, you must know my best friend. And uh, he just looked at me, and he put his head down, and, man, it's like it's just tears but he welled up in his eyes, man. Uh, I mean, good-looking kid, you know, maybe 35, you know, just a – you tell he just got on drugs, got on the wrong track, you know, you tell he's athletic-looking, um, you know, like he just took a bad track, but he – you know, I hope he pulls out of it, man. I hope he does because um, he knew my best friend, and when I hear somebody talk, I can tell um, that if they know my best friend, um, I can tell that – Jesus is their best friend, too. <laughs> so, anyways, I'm going to get a little more time. I'm going to do a special on Tebow. Man, I God bless Tebow. Um, pray for him. Um, uh, that's another little funny thing I'm going to sell real quick is um, I took my mom up to the hospital. And uh, now whenever I got something wrong with me, 
Um, I'll be like, Mom, like my bottom of my feet were hurting me. And I think a couple episodes ago, I told y'all to pray for me. So if anybody did, and thank you. And, and I, I called Mom up like that same day, and I said, Mom, uh, my feet hurt real bad. Can can you pray for him? She's like, What? You know? I said, Yeah. And then she started going off. Well, you know, moms are they want to give you? Well, maybe you should soak them, or it could be gout, or you need to eat this. And I said, Mom, stop, stop. I said, Mom, I, I said. There's this thing called prayer. You you used to, you do it for me all the time. I said, just pray for my feet, Mom. So she started laughing. She said, okay, I'll pray for your feet. So sure enough, man, y'all praise the Lord. My, my feet feel better, you know. And um, I think sometimes the Lord might might have struck me with sore feet, so I, I quit just sit down and do this podcast and don't run around. So the Lord always works. Everything works for the good of the Lord. But it's so funny how we'll um, we'll pray for other people, and then like um, we'll have a problem out there, and uh, and we won't even bother asking anybody to pray for him in a. It's funny because people will send, um, it's not funny, it's, it's sad that people send people like Benny Hinn or Kenneth Copeland thousands of dollars. They call it seed money, you know, so they'll get a church or or they'll get uh, healings or money, you know. And, and I, the Bible says the Lord does not hear the prayers of sinners. And they're like your moms and people, loved ones, you know, that, that live a scriptural life. When you need When you need a healing or something, we should never pray for money, never. Um, unless it's money for a, a missionary like Tim Tebow's missionary or something. Um, but um, we, we should never do that. But if we need a healing or something, call that person that you know that doesn't live in sin. And I'm telling you, my feet feel better right now. Um, it's a miracle, you know. And, and people are writing checks to these crooks like Benny Hinn and Copeland that, that just live an evil lifestyle. And, and they boast and they're prideful and they fly around in jets and mock God. You're not going to get healed, y'all. This is a waste of money. Um Anybody that'll pray for you, my mom wouldn't take a penny if she's if if you was to offer her a dime for praying for her, she would slap you in the face. You know that's why my mama is. She'd do that. So she'd pray for you out of the goodness of her heart. And uh, anybody that does pray for your healings, they do it out of the goodness of heart. If they want anything for it, they're of the devil. Um, Paul, I think it was Paul and Barnabas walked by the guy that was crippled. Said and he asked for money. The crippled man and um, Paul said, "Silver and gold have I not, but what I give, I give freely." So any gift to God. You know that we have, we 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 should give freely. Um, that's why I don't ask for any kind of donations. I don't like that. I do this. Um, you know, this is my you know this is my blessing. You know, to talk to you guys out there, and I don't want anything for it. Um, I just enjoy y'all tuning in and, and listening to me. Uh, but you know, God bless y'all. If you need um need prayer or something, hit our web page and just kind of put in a prayer request. Or if you got a Damascus Crossroad moment where God changed your life, let us know. I, I will. Uh, I don't have to say your name. If you want me to put your name on there, I will. But if not, I'll just call you Joe Blow or um, Sister Sister Haley or, or whatever you want me to call you. Um, but yeah, definitely. I'd like to get your testimony out there. But God bless y'all. And I'll see you next week. Thank you for listening to Damascus Crossroads Podcast. If you like what you hear, follow us for more episodes. You can also visit our website by clicking the link in the description below. We'd like to thank Andrew Osinga for granting us permission to use his song, The One True Thing, on our podcast. If you haven't checked out his music, you're missing out on great praise and worship songs with uplifting messages. May God bless your day, your week, and keep you strong in your faith.